Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran jazz singer Jan Cronin. We talked at length about her new 2023 CD, I Thought About You. The stripped-down arrangements and selections of her songs let her voice and warmth and that personality shine through exceptionally. She grew up around jazz and has always loved it. We get into her history, future, and so much more. Enjoy this interview. Hi. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Nice to meet you, Jan. Thanks for taking a minute nice, out. Nice to meet you. So before we get into your brand new album, I thought yeah. about you and your life and music. I want to know, how did you survive COVID? This last three years was quite a thing. And how has it changed the way that you do things now? Well, um, it gave me a lot of time to reflect on what I wanted to record and um and i listened to a lot of these tunes um and and really thought about them and decided that when all this is behind me all this covid um that i would pursue this album and so it was just a lot of time to read and uh study uh i studied with um several uh jazz artists uh vocally and uh, through uh, Zoom and uh, and so forth, and so it was it was a it was a good time for me to step back and figure out what I wanted to do next. So, talk to me about the new album. What how, what was the artistic, um, you know, force that was behind it? How good does it feel that it's coming out now? It feels wonderful that it's coming out now, and really. Um, for so many, many years, I performed with bands, um, everything from an eight-piece band to a four-piece band, and I just wanted to do something intimate, and I wanted to really uh, tell the story of these songs and, and convey how they feel to me, um, and so I thought a real stripped-down version of these songs would be really nice. Um where I feel like I'm sitting at somebody's table or I'm whispering these songs into somebody's ears. <laughs> That's wonderful. What are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Oh, I'm hoping that they'll feel, um, you know, the songs and the stories perhaps relate to some of the stories. Uh, and um, it's it's nice to have on... Uh, if you're having like a glass of wine or something and, and listening to it, um, you know, just kind of cuddling up and, and getting cozy. And that's kind of what I wanted to project with the album was something cozy and intimate. So how did this jazz journey begin for you? Take me back to where you were born and raised and how these seeds and interest in, in being a performer and being a musician, how did that begin? Well, uh, I grew up in Washington, D.C., born and raised, and um, my parents were big band dancers, and they always had a lot of jazz records going on in the house, and I would listen to those, and um, and I sang in church uh, when I was young with my two sisters, and we did a lot of radio shows and things like that, singing the gospel music, you know, and... Um, I decided that I wanted to stay with music and, uh, my sisters, you know, got married and got the house and, and the ch had the children. And I sort of, um, 
persevered with music and, um, and with, with my career. So, um, in Washington, D.C., I used to hang out at some of the jazz clubs and some of my friends were jazz instrumentalists. And one of my friends, uh, wrote for Downbeat magazine and he would let me tag along on his interviews. So I've met Alvin Jones, Max Roach, uh, uh, Tony Williams, um, gosh, uh, Jack DeJanette, and uh, learned a lot through talking with them. And I also met Betty Carter hanging out at Blues Alley in Washington, D.C. And she's always been one of my favorite jazz vocalists, but stylists. And uh, we were sitting in line at the ladies' room um, at one of her performances, and we got to talking, and I told her how much I loved her her song tell him i said hello and she said we ought to record that someday so when my first record came out i recorded betty carter's song so um you know and then i um in the 80s i studied in new york city one of the companies i was working for um um, i was uh, writing grants for um people with disabilities and the company sent me to new york to search um, more about this and research it and develop more of that in my career. And I used to hang out in the jazz clubs after I would get off um, work, you know, with these, this company I was working for. And I would hang out at like the bottom line, Blue Note and Village Vanguard and just kind of absorb um, the jazz feel, you know, and they'd be up until like three in the morning and I could just hang out there and then hop on the train, and go back to DC. Wow. That's so. quite a story. I mean, that, that has to have been, a, a you know, a lifetime of education to be able to be around those interviews and to hang around those kind of hallowed institutions. Oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And they're some of the nicest people I've ever met. You know, they're so humble especially Elvin Jones is extremely humble and kind. And, um, and I, I always, and the, the writer for the downbeat was a drummer. And so he wrote about Ming and so forth. And I learned a lot about the percussive things of jazz um, through going to these interviews and, and being close to this friend of mine. So um, it was an experience and an education. Yeah, I always am very open and clear because I've done so many interviews with musicians that the jazz community is one of the best breed of human on the planet. The the level of them being, it's like the higher up you go, the more humble they are and talented and intelligent. And there's just a wisdom that's just so refreshing to see because there's a lot of times we don't see that in regular life. Oh, exactly. And, and, and these musicians are seasoned and they, have great stories to tell and share and um and i just loved it i you know i still love it and and so i just decided that i really wanted to record something that might be meaningful to other people as well as me um and you know like the song some other time the last song on my album it really reminds us of how important it is to take the time you know, to make time for your friends. You know how we always say, I'll call you tomorrow, and then tomorrow turns into a week, and then it's a month, and, you know, and you never get around to it. So it's like, oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, you know. Um, and that, that song really yeah, resonated with me. So Because time the- is more precious now. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. So what was the first gig? What was your introduction to the world of jazz? 
Um, well, just sitting in with my friends, um, who were playing in clubs in DC and, um, kind of getting my, my feet wet in that regard. And when I moved to Nashville, um, I kind of moved, I had been looking at either LA or New York City or Nashville. And I really liked the vibe in Nashville because people are very open and friendly. And uh, I came down here on a whim with a girlfriend of mine and I entered a, a song contest. And this was at the National Palace and I won the, the vo- female vocalist and they asked me to, uh, hang out there for a weekend to a week and sing, but I had to go back to my day job teaching. So, um, <laughs> I couldn't do it, but I really liked Nashville. And then when I came to Nashville, um, I, I got in touch with the Blue Society, the Jazz and Blue Society, and I sang blues for a while, for quite a while. And then I met my late husband, who was, um, a blues, uh, songwriter, left-handed guitar player. Um, he played with all the greats from the, uh, Soul Train to Nashville. And so I did blues for a while. And then I was, I was just kind of feeling like I, I was being pulled for jazz. So I still do blues gigs, but jazz is the, the primary thing that I'm doing right now. So, you know, through all those interviews and through all the experiences that you got early on, what did that give you as an experience or, or, or as kind of an acumen in the jazz world that you in turn lend to younger players that you get around? I think what I, what I want to, to, uh, impress upon the younger people is just be yourself. You know, listen to, to what, what resonates with you. You know, uh, and I, I tell, tell them, you know, there's already been, um, a Betty Carter. There's already been an Ella Fitzgerald, but has there been a Jan Cronin, you know, or, or whatever the name. And so be yourself and be unique and find, find your wheelhouse, you know, find what, what you feel the deep, the, the deepest in your heart of hearts. Talk to me a little bit about what you like the best about being in the world of jazz as a professional musician. What do you look forward to the most? I look forward to the performances because I love to just embrace the audience and I love to, um, I love to be around people and I love to share this music because I think the lyrics are so phenomenal. Um, there are very few songs that are written like these songs anymore and they're jewels. And I want to reveal the jewels to my audiences and, and bring them in and, and get intimate and have them really listen. And absorb, um, you know, and see, see what resonates for them. So talk to me a little bit about what you're hoping the listener, like ultimately, what do you want the reception for this album to be? I, I would love for people to really listen to it, uh, with an open heart and really feel the stories in these songs and, um, and and pursue the love of jazz and and pursue the 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 studying or the the research really get a feel for this this beautiful music um i just want to share it i just want people to listen and enjoy it um in whatever capacity they can 
So talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you've been around a lot of big names, but if you could get into, let's say, a time machine and go back in time and see anybody live, who would you love to go back and see? I would love to see Carmen McRae and um, I would love, to, well, I would I'd love to see Ella Fitzgerald, um, but I, I went to a lot of Betty Carter performances and... Um, and what I love so much about her was that she would open her mouth to sing and you could almost drive a truck down her throat. She was so open and alive with her, her delivery, you know, her deliveries and her performance and so embracing of young artists and, and audiences. And I would, I would still love to be seeing as much of her as possible still. Yeah. So why do you love jazz? Because I feel it. I feel the songs. Um, it puts me in a, in a happy place. It's, it's very peaceful and yet it's very exciting. It's very liberating. Um, because I can, I can do different things. I can I wrap my inflections around, uh, these songs and, and make them my own. You know, they help me to create more. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> Who do I think I am? Well, um, I like to think I'm, I'm a very, uh, kind person and I'm, I'm pretty genuine. Um, I love people. I've been a caregiver most of my life. Um, I've always gravitated toward the underdog, I, which is why I, I got my degree in special education and taught special education for so many, many years. And then I, um, I got interested in sign language and I went back to school and got a degree in sign language and I started working with the deaf and interpreting and, um, I think people would just see me as being caring and loving and kind. And I, I like, I kind of pride myself in knowing that I am very diplomatic and very fair. Um, so in a nutshell, I'm an okay person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a deep, I got a deep level of appreciation for anyone out there that works in special, special education. My son, Miles, named after. The obvious um, is yes. 18 and he's on the autism spectrum. So I've been in the special needs community for quite a while now and I'm always appreciative oh, really? of it. Really? Yeah. So, yes. That's um, been my whole life, really. And when I left um, special education, when I stopped teaching, um, I went right into yoga. So I teach yoga now and I studied the therapeutic side of yoga. So now I teach therapeutic yoga to special needs children. Um, and I teach it to the military. I teach seniors, um, people, uh, who think that they can't, they aren't able, but they are. I make yeah. it, um, accessible to everyone. Yeah, I've always kind of been of the opinion with my son that, you know, no matter what has been said about an aptitude level, I've always just, you know, pushed, put, not pushed him, but I've always been like, let's do it. You know, let's ride a bike. Let's do this. Let's yeah. do that. 
you got to get in there because the level of courage and um, integrity that these kids can get can overcome anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they don't see themselves as any different from anybody else. Right. You know, and, and that's the beauty of it because they are, they, they are different, but they're special and they have, they have all kinds of talents and abilities to share with us that we can learn from. Yeah, there's a real savant nature that goes into it. I know Miles tends to be one that can just recognize, you know, a certain color out of a whole bunch of, you know, like Legos or something. Or he, he's yeah. really good with Matt, like remembering what people wore and things like that. There's just things that they can do that's in a in, in a whole different league. Yes, they're they're very detail oriented. Yeah. And and it's beautiful because they help you recognize things that you normally wouldn't recognize or even think about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And having Miles in my life, like introduced me to this whole other part of the world that I never thought I I just would have never seen before. And it's it's pretty, uh, pretty stellar. For sure. Yeah. You know, um, a young man who um, had autism um, back in uh, when I got my special education degree, uh, he always had his head down and I was always trying to get him to look up. And when I first started doing sign language, he was so in tune with that um, because he had been using picture boards and things like that before we had the advanced technology. And he loved to watch me make little pictures in the air with my hands. And so that really um, inspired me to pursue the sign language because of that young man. And his name was Mark. And I'll never forget him. Yeah, Miles had to do sign language early on. They weren't sure. I mean, his speech took a long time. But I remember one time um, we went out and had a babysitter take care of him and came home and his cheek was a little bruised and we were like, what's going on? And he was the babysitter and they didn't know sign language. And he was putting his finger into his cheek saying that he wanted a piece of candy. <laughs> and he did it yes, so long, and so long and so hard that he put a bruise on his cheek. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It, it was wild. <laughs> but oh, yeah. That's so neat. Yeah. yeah we, we, we did a lot of sign language with him and I, we weren't sure if he was going to speak and he, you know, yeah. he is now, I mean, he's at a point now where he just, um yeah he asks all kinds of questions he's very inquisitive he's he's wonderful so wonderful how yeah. old is he he's 18 oh wow that's wonderful and, and is he working does he have anything he enjoys doing specifically yeah he he has a passion for a theme park here in Kansas City called Worlds of Fun and it's his therapy place he's gone there for a while he's got a job there and um he's been working there and he loves going out there it's just you know it's the place that just brings everything together for him. But yeah, he loves sports. You know, he's pretty interested in a lot of things. He's very curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's cool. Oh, that's wonderful. That yeah. is so wonderful. So, but this has been great, Jan. Thank you for taking time out. And before we get oh, out of this. No. Did, yeah, before, I have ro- thoroughly enjoyed you. Yeah, thank you. And before we get out of this digital door, so to speak, I want to make sure that anyone out there that wants to get the brand new album, any previous work, live shows, anything about your world, where can they go? 
they can go to my website at jancronin.com and they'll have all of my performance dates. It'll uh, keep you up to date where you can buy the record and all that good stuff. So Excellent. check out my website. I would love that. Excellent, Jan. Hey, it's been great. Thank you again for taking time out. And, and like I said, it's so good that there's people out there that really do want to hit, help the special needs world. I'm always very cognizant. I'm very involved with Miles and um, all of the aspects of his life. So I'm very cognizant. I, that's wonderful, Joe. And best of luck to your son. I, it sounds like he's going to do some wonderful things. Oh, yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah, he's got good parents. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying. That, 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 that's the key. So, yeah, well, cool. so it really is. Well, cool. Well, hey, well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers in New York, LA, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Jan for time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Because we're in love. Neon Jazz.